This Irish Man Stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This, of course, is the show where you come for the accent. We, 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 we all have Frenchy French accent that may make an appearance today, huh? Because we're going to talk about the Great Reset and you stay for the principles. If you've been listening to this show for the last three, four weeks since we've come back since the start of the year, I've been focusing a lot in on your country. I've been talking to you about the principles, about your politics, about your issues, about why you need to stand for certain principles, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, the Declaration of Independence. And it's all been kind of leading up to this show. Because there's certain things happening in America that I've been concerned about that we speak about on a weekly basis, but also there are certain things happening outside of America. And today's show is a special show. There is no guest that will return next week. I need to talk to you for whatever time we have today about something that is very concerning to me, and it should concern you as well. Because it's going to be very easy for some people to write that off going, oh, that's something that's happening in Europe, and we don't really care about it. And there's going to be people who will, you know, conspiracy theories will come from it. Today, what I'm going to talk to you about is fact. And I would urge you, be as a start, as a general rule, which I do on every show I do, Don't take my word for anything I say today. Do your own homework. Do your own research. Say, hey, is John right on this? Fact check me all the time. But I want to talk to you about the Great Reset. But before I can talk to you about the Great Reset, it's so important to understand history. Because it's one of the frustration things I have with people when they talk about politics today is they look solely at one area. area. They kind of go, what's happening right here, right now? And that's all they focus in on. But what's so critical about politics is how you get to where you are right now. How we have gotten to where we are in 2021. What is our journey? And if you look through world history, and again, I don't care whether you're a Christian and you believe this world is 6,000 years old, or whether you believe in you're an atheist and you think this world is 6 billion years old. If you look through history for as long as you think this world has existed, look through it whether you, you, you know it in depth or whether you just know kind of some of the big stories. But look through it in depth and you'll start to see a theme. You'll start to see, you know, a very a th- story that rhymes. And it rhymes all the way back to Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, because I'm a Christian. That's when I believe the world started. But maybe you, I don't know who you believe the world started with. But if you go all the way through, through the ancient pharaohs, through, you know, the great Roman Senate, to the great British Empire, to the dynasties of China, you'll see a common theme. And that common theme is what, depending on what word you want to use. You can use tyranny, you can use control, you can use collective. They're all apt. They've all been some type of tyranny. And it's always been a th- tyranny of people at the top. And what it is, is where people will seek to control you. So for the purpose of this, you can use pharaohs, you can use the ancient Egyptians, you can use the Chinese dynasties, you can use any, you know, the great British Empire, whatever story you want that's apt. But all the stories, while the players are different and the policies are different, the underlying principle is the same. You are not you. You're not an individual. You're part of a collective. You're part of a group. And back then, because technology wasn't what it is as we know today, it was very hard to, to, for people to galvanize and to unite and to have certain discussions. You know, they, they would only have a circle of influence very small, you know, maybe a mile, two miles, five miles before they lived, depending on how much horseback they had. 
But back then, you weren't like a peasant having horses. So what you would have is, let's just use a simple example of a monarchy, because everyone knows about a king or a queen. You'd have a king and a queen at the top, and they would rule by decree. They would never have a parliament. They might have a council where you could, you know, you know, sort of petition the council to make petitions on your behalf. But it was always by royal decree. You had someone at the top and then the power would filter down. But because back in the old days, you know, there wasn't technologies and you didn't have phones and you would have what you would have is you'd have the king's lords and they would be over a certain period of land. It might be, you know, a little town. And they would have a fort and a castle. And you'd have all the peasants and, and people serving the lords. But what you would have is a top-down system. The, the, the lords or the manor would always tell the people what to do. And they'd always be under their, his protection, but always under their control. There was no individualism. There was no God-given rights. There was no principles of freedom. You were only allowed to do what they said you could do. That is the history of the world. Whether you change the story for a king or a queen out to a pharaoh or to a great Roman senate, you didn't have control. You were over, you always had someone directly over you. They did not believe in the individual. They always ruled and said, they know better. You always heard these you know, cries of, you know, well, we've got royal blood. We're automatically better than you. Just because, hey, I happen to come from, you know, the, the, the sperm and the egg of that person who were a royal family before me. So I'm automatically better than you. So I can tell you. And sometimes it was guys that, was, well, you better do what I say you do or I'll kill you. Or sometimes it was more benevolent that, hey, look, I'm telling you what to do. Yes, but I'm only doing it for your own good because you're too stupid to know what's best for you. That is world history. Then something happened about 400 years ago, to be precise, where Senate Pilgrim set on board a boat and said, you know what? We want a different world for ourselves. We want a new adventure. They decided to go overseas and they went to a place called America. And then if you understand your own history, which we've talked about a lot on this show, they went through many different experiences, both good and bad. But it ultimately brought you to 1776, July 2nd, where you declared your independence. But you didn't declare your independence from Britain. You know, it's very easy to simplify American history and go, oh, we just kicked the British ass in, in 1776 and we got them out of our country. That's true. But you, it's so much more about your revolution than about defeating the British. Because you just didn't declare independence from the king. If you read your founding documents, the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, what you find is that you declared your independence from everyone. You declared before God and you told the world that all of us are created equal. That I don't have a right to tell you what to do. And I sure as hell don't have a right to compel you to act a certain way. That is what your Declaration of Independence says. And it ultimately says that you have a right from God, not from government, not from a king, not from a pharaoh, but from God to say you have a God-given right to pursue your happiness. There is an incentive there to build dream, to go, I can do anything I want. Now, where, this is where critics will always get involved. Go, well, John, that's, that sounds great. And gee, I wish America was like this. Look, that's your mission statement. Has America always gotten this right? No. There's no way you can read American history and say, we've always got that. But you've always aspired to it. It's always been your goal. It's been your destination. Is there something wrong with setting that as a goal, as a destination? 
Is that, is that a worthy goal that we should want for everyone? Most people would say yes. Because you see, America changed the revolution and, and the way worlds talk and the way people talk. Instead of believing that you're part of a group, you are an individual, that you're different. Do you understand this? If you understand the First Amendment, you have a right to association. You, you know, you can hang around with who you want. You have a right to, before the right to pursue your happiness, was a right to property. It wasn't just land and farms and possessions that they talked about. They also talked about intellectual property, that if you have a vision, if you have a dream, if you have some invention in your head, you have a God-given right to own it and to pursue it and to create it and to reap the fruits of your labor. That's what it was all about, that idea, that innovation. That is what separated the idea of America from every other country. And then America became the powerhouse that we know. And America rose to prominence. And then we had the 1900s and the Industrial Revolution. And we had the Roaring Twenties. And then we, the world became more integrated as technology, as people who were pursuing their happiness had innovated and innovated so much that the world changed how we very much communicate with each other. You know, I always say this, but 30 years ago when I first came to America, I was the talk in a town when I went to America. Because I was like, my God, you're going on a plane? Now it's like, hey, yeah, big deal. I'm going to America next week. Anyone, well, no one can do that now in COVID, but prior to COVID, it wasn't a big deal. Everyone was going. Everyone I knew went to America. It was just, hey, it's just a vacation. That's how much innovation had changed. And what had happened is people became more free. Western countries, even socialist countries like Ireland, England, Europe, became more free. They spoke about freedoms. They spoke about similar freedoms, like the freedom of speech that you have in your First Amendment. They never said they came from God, but they said you have a right to it because the government allows us. But everything became more freer. The fundamental role was flawed because it was come from government. And government was giving you these rights, which is very different to what America said. But you had this freedom and the world became more free. And then in the 80s, you had Ronald Reagan, Mr. President, tear down that wall. And the wall fell. The wall fell and change was up. Germany was no longer divided. You no longer had East and West Germany. Communism was defeated, or so we thought. Things were changing. But you see, the problem is, is that there's always going to be people who would have vested interest in control. Number one, because they like controlling people. Number two, because they're arrogant to think, hey, you know what? I'm better than people. Look, I, I own a big company. I employ a thousand people. Are you telling me that I can't tell other people what to do? Like, look, if all those poor people followed my advice and I made them follow my advice, they wouldn't be poor. You have that arrogance. You have that hubris. You have that sentiment. There's also people who want it for financial gain. They understand that, you know, if we're in the rich boy club, Guess what? We get to control a bigger share of the pudding. Now, no one ever thinks about this in small terms anymore. In other times, when you have likes of Hitler, and even before him, they would have conquests ideas of their conquesting their own country and been the king of their country or their empire. And then they might look a further seas and say, I want that land and that land and that land. Today, you don't need to do that. Today, you can think big. Because you can literally be in any part of the world in a couple of hours. Like what? Like take any point in the world. What is it? 20 hours is the furthest flight maybe from one point A to point B. You can do it overnight. You can do it during the day. It's incredible. You don't have to. It's not like a big deal to go to another country. So people are thinking bigger. 
And you have all these grandiose plans. But you have to understand that people are complex. One of the reasons I love America is because it understands a nature, a law of nature, that we're all individual. Let me just prove this simple point to you by just focusing on your country. Your country is 330 million people, give or take. Look how different you are. Look how different you see the world now, even on politics, left and right, race relations, rich and poor, New Yorker and Texan. You have all these different things. Under America understood that, that yes, we may have common themes. We may all have common goals and aspirations, but we're different. We're unique. We're individuals. You always have these people who understand that they want power and they will do anything to get us. And what they do is they need to pitch you against each other. Let me give you one historical example of why you need to do this. Hitler. There are many reasons Hitler lost World War II. There are many reasons. Ultimately, he lost it because he was stupid. Because he tried to fight a war on three fronts. He was arrogant enough to think, I can do it. Well, we're the Aryan race. Of course, we're Hitler. We're Aryans. We're superior. We're better. We can fight wars on three fronts. We can fight it on the Eastern Front with Russia. We can fight it on the Mediterranean Front in Africa. We can fight it on the Western Front with America. Of course we can. We can do it. We're Germans. Ultimately, if you read enough history, you learn he didn't do that. He was weakened. You separate people. His army was divided. His loyalties were divided. Which war needs which men? Which attributes? Which, which uh, divisions of labor? And he didn't do it well, and he lost, thank God. Now, why is that a critical principle to understand? Because you're seeing it play out today. You're seeing it play out today. Because what people of those who are in power or those who seek power need is you against each other. You see, it isn't rich versus poor. It isn't, hey, you have something and I don't have something. It's those who want to control you and those who want to be free. That's the ultimate battle. If the people who want to be free and don't want to be controlled by a government or by someone who's rich, you won't ha it won't happen. It won't happen because there's not enough people on this side to do the control. People want to be free. Even Karl Marx understood this, where he spoke of the freedom from the bourgeoisie. It's a perverted kind of freedom, but even he understood it. So what do they need to do? They need to keep you divided. And that is what you're seeing. You're seeing everyone pitted against each other. And the people in power or who seek power are rising and driving these tensions. You're seeing this with cultural Marxism. You're seeing this with, with critical race theory. It's not an A, they care for the black person. They're just exploiting them. They're just going to go, hey, guess what? They are, they're upset at them people. Let's just scope those fires. Let's ensure that they're divided. Let's understand that they actually might have more in common than they think, but let's ensure they never, ever get to that point. Let's divide them. And then how do we divide them even more? Well, let's divide people under religion. Let's divide people under sexuality. Let's divide people because they're transgender. Let's divide people because they're from different nations. The more you divide people and make them think they're the problem, they're holding you back, guess what? You're never, ever going to unite. And they keep stoking these fires. This is how you are getting to the point of 2021 where you are so divided. Even America, the world, everyone is so angry at everyone else. And everyone is great at pointing the finger at them, saying they're the problem in society. The problem is the people that you're pointing at are very rarely the people 
who are the problem in society. The people who are the problem in society, oh, we'll get to that now in one second. the people that are the problem in society the people who are a problem in society are those who seek to control you but it's also absolutely critical that we clearly identify who those are because there are so many people who will just point at them or a certain group i just go they're the problem you have to understand principally why they are the problem and why they need to be opposed at every step of the way but to do this, I need to give you an example that needs to be absolutely crystal clear in people's minds. What you need to understand is that terms left and right have absolutely no principled meaning. What happens to be a leftist in America is different to a leftist in America, is different to a leftist in England, is different to a leftist in Asia, is different to a lefty in Europe, to Australia. It differs. Same with a right-wing person. You had right-wing person in America to, uh, to Russia, to Australia, to Europe. They're all different things. They mean different things. But historically, left and right hate each other, not based on any principle that you're familiar with, with freedom. What it was, was the right, Hitler, the far right, believed in national socialism. The left believed in communism, international socialism. The difference of those two policies are very little. They both believe in big government. They don't believe in the individual. They don't believe in God-given freedoms. What they believe is in control. But where they differ greatly and why they hate each other is the right believe in nationalism. The right believe in, hey, I want my country, America, Ireland, England, Europe, to be a great socialist nation. We want to be the best socialist nation we can be. And the left don't believe in nationalism. They don't believe in borders. What they believe in is socialism through the world, through the United Nations, through global NGOs, through you know world banks, through IMFs. That is what they believe in. That's what they seek to build. And that is why they hate each other. They believe in the same core principles of government. They just believe in national and international. That's absolutely critical to understand what we're going to talk about now. Because the old days, when I say the old days, I mean pre-COVID. You know, all those times when we were young and, you know, I had hair. What you used to have to worry about was international socialism. You used to have to worry about the United Nations. We, I think we spoke about it years ago, where we spoke about Agenda 21. We spoke about Agenda 2030. And what this was, was a set of rules and regulations to get control of people where you had these bodies where the UN would control stuff, where they're not elected by the people. They're bureaucrats. They're true NGOs, true companies, true bureaucratic means of getting more structure to build the world the way they see us, to build a more equitable world. And we're going to come back to that word equitable in a few minutes. But that is what they believed in. They wanted to mold and shape the world the way they saw it. The way they saw to say, hey, this is the best world that we can be. This is the best what we can do. 
And it was all through the United Nations. It was all through that big power body. But you see, the problem with that is, is that the United Nations, while it is a big government organization, it is reliant on individual countries being part of us. It's reliant on people participating in it. It's reliant on people going along with us, or at least not being objecting to us. You know, there's a lot of people who are part of the United Nations who don't like what they do, but are like, mm, don't say that too loud. Let's just let's see what happens. But you see, what you have then is the United Nations are kind of reliant on domestic country elections. One of the things that Donald Trump did, he kind of upset the apple cart. Why? Because he pulled out of the WHO, because he pulled out of the Paris Accords. That is a big bombshell to them because they believe in international cooperation. What happens if the, someone in the United Nations says, no, we don't want that, and they start pulling out? Well, then all of a sudden, the treads of a world government, the treads of being harmonious in their eyes, the tread of control loses its strength because it's only as good as its weakest parts. Which brings me to the Great Recess. You see, the problem with some of these politicians and people who seek power is they're in some ways they're not stupid. It's one of my frustrating things with a lot of people in America. You are you just look down on the people who you disagree with and think they're stupid or they're dumb, like AOC. They're generally not dumb. They're actually evil geniuses because all they want is power and they will say things and do things to get us. And one of the things that our friends who want big government do and do very well is they never let a crisis go to waste. And that's where COVID comes in. You see, what they're talking about with the Great Reset is building the world to the way they see it. Except the difference between the Great Reset, which is done by the World Economic Forum, is they have one advantage that the UN doesn't have. You see, the UN, as we just spoke about, if one person pulls out of it, that shred becomes weak, and all of a sudden that world is not more as secure. The World Economic Forum are not held accountable by any elections. Why? Because it's companies. It's companies doing this. Companies are going to shape the world the way they see it. And we're not talking about the mom and pop store, you know, the little grocery down the roads, the little, you know, 7-Eleven that's, you know, independently owned or a little McDonald's that has, you know, owns 10, has 10 staff. They're never invited. So always the big companies, the head of McDonald's, the head of Coca-Cola, the head of Walmart, you know, these type of companies, these millionaires and billionaires, if I may quote Bernie Sanders, they don't need to be elected. You see, the thing is, our world has become so global. And the reason these companies have so much power, let me explain this to you in terms that you might understand. And about just about America. Remember the days 30 years ago when I first started going to America? You'd go to a town and the town would be different. You'd have the mom and pop grocery store. It wouldn't be a chain. You just have the local mom and pop store. You'd always have a convenience store like that would sell toys and different things in the store. And it would be just a one store only. It would have different food places, one and done. That's it. They, or if it was a big restaurant, they'd have two restaurants put in the same city or the same vicinity. You see, because our world has become so global now, which I'm not knocking, but this is part of the problem with the Great Reset, is because companies have become so global where now you go into that same town, sure, the mom and pop store might be there, but its competition is Dollar General, which is everywhere. Its competition is Walmart, which is everywhere. 
likewise, if you take that on a bigger scale, you know, you don't go to Ch you go to China now and not just get Chinese food, but you can get a McDonald's, you can get a KFC. If you go to every city and most city, big cities around the world, you always have a common theme of certain companies. Everyone loves Coke. Everyone loves Disney. Everyone loves Walmart. Everyone loves, well, not Walmart, sorry, but everyone loves McDonald's, Burger King, KFC. You're starting to see these companies and they all of a sudden have great influence, not just in their country, but around the world. Apple, Apple products are popular everywhere. Now, is that a good thing? I believe so. But they're using their power for evil. They're using their power to mold and shape the world the way they want to. They're using that power to go, how can we mold this? And what's really bad about this is, is instead of having a government of people telling us what to do and in control of everything, going forward, you're going to have a set of businesses. Let me give you some examples. And these affect you in America. They're going to affect everyone around the world. Coca-Cola has come out with these plans. And basically, their plans say that anyone who works on their accounts have a certain percentage. I think it's 15% have to be of non-white race. And of that 15%, 50% must be black. If you don't have that, they're not doing business with you. Now, this is where we, this is where we need to get into a clear point. Does Coca-Cola have the right to do this? All right, look, you're Coca-Cola. I believe in private businesses. I believe in free markets. If you want to run a business, how you want to run a business, and a, the person who is potentially wants your business to do business with you and agrees to that standard, I don't have a major problem with it. I'm going to get back to that though in one second. They're building these contracts. That's what they're doing to make the world shape in their, in their worldview. But they're also working with governments. And this is what you're starting to see with the Great Reset. You're starting to see the lines of government. If you believe in a free market system the way I do, there's a very clear line of government. If you really see the world the way I do, you have the Constitution, you have Article 1, Section 8, which says this is what DC does and everything else is left up to the states. But there's a very clear line between what government does, because even if you want to talk to me about what I believe states should do, it's very limited. I'm a free market person. I believe in innovation. I believe in creativity. I believe if there's a problem in society or even a perceived problem in society, the best people to deal with it are not governments whether it's even on a state level, even if it's like the local mayor, I, I will always be the person, whether you like it or not, going, it should, be it should be private enterprise. They will do things better. And I use the example on this show all the time about the Green New Deal and environmentalism. If you believe that's a big issue, then you should, should be sporting Tesla. Tesla's not looking for government money. Tesla's not trying to do stuff. Tesla's trying to build the coolest in you know gas non-gas car it can. And looks great. It's, it, it feels great by people who have driven it. Told me it's it's a really cool car. It looks really cool. People are buying it because it's a cool car. He's broken down the image of hey, I'm just driving this car because it's environmentally friendly. I believe innovation. That is how you change the world, even if it's not a real problem, even if it's only perceived. That's how you change it. There's a very clear line. But what you're starting to see with the Great Reset is they don't want any line. What they want is for big business to be in bed with government all the way through. And what you're going to start hearing a term is stakeholder capitalism. It's this immersion, it's this fusion of big businesses. Because again, the Great Reset is never about the poor people. Like if you see how much it is to go to Davos, to this, uh, uh, to this conference, it's not the local mom and pop store. I think it's like $560,000 to be a sponsor of this show. 
that isn't the mo- mom and pop store. That isn't the local small business. That isn't the, you know, the, the handyman who hires two people. These are the big, big companies around the world, big governments. And they're starting to unite and they're starting to merge to go, hey, how can we solve the world's problems? Because maybe we have a lot of common ground. How can we merge? And that's what you're going to start seeing. But there's a couple of rules before we actually get into what they, they're predicting will happen. And I'm going to talk, break it down and talk to you. There's a couple of rules you need to understand about government and about the, the World Economic Forum. The first thing that you need to understand is they're trying to make an omelette. Like it or not, they're making an omelette. And sadly, to make an omelette, you have to crack a few eggs. Some of the problems I see with my friends who think about this and kind of go, but they, they don't want to, you know, they try and think everyone has the best pure motives. And they may have, but they don't mind breaking some eggs because ultimately their end goal is control or to be your savior. They have a God complex. Hey, we're going to be your God. You know, God's not your God. We're your God. We're in power. We're the elites. So they don't mind breaking a few eggs. Why? Because when you break a few eggs, when you hurt people, that's a great opportunity to solve a problem. That's a great opportunity to find, hey, there's this need in society. We're going to fill in and we're going to get more power. We're going to get more influence. We're going to get more. We're going to be the fixers. And then people are going to like us. So we, we cause the problem. And then we fix the problem and get called a hero. It's a really great system, isn't it? You know, it's almost like Ronald Reagan was right when he famously said years and years ago, which is absolutely true. The more the plans fail, the more the planners plan. Break a few eggs. Oh, well, that's another problem to fix. And, you know, when we fix that problem, we might break a few more eggs. Hey, it's an endless opportunity. Government causes a problem. Government fixes a problem. And then government gets to be called heroes. And that's what started this great research, which we're going to come back to in one second. The other thing you need to understand is an absolute key rule with all these people who seek control is they use any tool to advance. You have to understand their end goal. Their end goal is control. They would like it to be a benevolent control. They would love it if you would just submit and just die down. But ultimately, they will use anything. They will use any pit, any set of people against each other to get their end goal. They will piss even ideas that they disagree with. They will pit anyone. They're not on the side of BLM, or as an example. They're just using them. Hey, we're, of course you're on your side. You're oppressed. You need us. You need us to be the great equalizer in society. That's what they're doing. They will always, number rule number three, is they will always hide their true motives. They'll make them simple. They'll make them very simple. That they're very clear what they want. But it can always be excused as well. We didn't really mean that. We'll get to that in a second when I talk to you about you'll own nothing and be happy. The narrative behind that. They'll always tell you what they're going to do, but then they'll always do it in simplistic language that kind of goes, oh, you're a conspiracy theorist if you think we mean that. And then guess what happens? Eventually they mean that, and we're like, what? It's like 15 days to flatten the curve. 15 days to flatten the curve. It's what, day 3, 42, 43 now? They'll always hide it. And the fourth thing they do is invariably, they'll always include good stuff. They'll always include something we can like. There's something in this that we can like. And when I, I'm going to go through this whole list of eight things that they make predictions of. But, you know, 3D printing of organs, that you won't have an organ transplant list. No one will die because of it anymore. We're just going to simply print them. 
that always includes something that they like, that people will automatically generally agree with. And it would be a great advancement for society that we can do. Why? Because it muddies the waters. If people like, if you listen to someone like me, kind of go, wow, if John is really against the, you know, the Great Reset, but that's really bad. And then you read this and you kind of go, but that's really good. I like that. And then it causes this complexity inside of you. You kind of go, but John makes them out to be really bad. Maybe, maybe John's lying. Maybe, I don't know. And then people will always point to it. It's always like, you know, it's, hey, bad guy, bad guy, bad guy. But they did this. Oh, okay. Think of an argument with leftists. You make this issue about, you know, Andrew Cuomo or Joe Biden. Oh, but he did that. I liked. It muddies the waters. These people are very smart. They're not, this is not their first rodeo. They've been planning for this a very long time. They tried to get it through the United Nations, but now they've understood they don't need that anymore. It's now the Great Reset. It's now companies going to drive this. So what are the terms you're going to start hearing? Equity. Fairness. These are two of the terms that you're going to hear repeatedly over and over and over again. Why? Because that is what the world is screaming towards right now. Because whether you like it or not, whether you disagree with it or not, it's simple fact. The people who love freedom in America and around the world, their message has been diluted because of politics for the longest period of time. There is no purist in mainstream media or in mainstream politics who is loyal to the principles of freedom, who sees the understanding of why America is exceptional and wants to get back to it, and has remained consistent on that. And if there is one or two people, the vast there's only a handful. The vast majority haven't. They've got behind people or defended ideas that they shouldn't have. But what you've got, why you've got to this point is because of COVID, and they don't even hide this case that they caught COVID has caused all these problems and we need to fix it. Let's break down what COVID has done. Whether you agree with COVID or whether you disagree with COVID, been as serious, because some people say, oh, it's a big serious thing. Some others say, oh, it's, it's overestimated. Some people say it's nothing. For this conversation, it doesn't matter. What COVID has done is caused untold damage to the economy. It has caused untold damage to people's lives. It's affected everyone. There's going to be so much economic pain and suffering from this COVID. Partly because of COVID, partly because of the shutdowns, but also in part because of government's reckless spending. Because they kept on spending. And you see, every country around the world, or 99% of countries around the world, are in financial hardship. Because it's not like they were economically sound up until COVID, and then COVID happened and went, oh my God, we need to spend a lot of money. And then when COVID ends, get back to normal and get back to finish financial sanity. Very few countries operated that way. In fact, a lot of countries are operating just spending. You heard these terms in economics where, you know, once you borrow, or your debt is only between 60 and 70% of your GDP, you're fine. Let me give you an example. Let me get rounded up. Let's say America's GDP, what every dollar is in the country, is 20 trillion. They're saying 60 to 70% of that is fine. So a debt of 12 to 14 trillion, totally fine. Don't worry about it. That's within star, you know, our margin of error. Now, if I said to you just on an average person on the street, hey, there's a country, doesn't matter what size it is, it has $12 trillion in, in public debt. Would you say, yeah, that's totally fine? Or would your first question be, ah, but what's the size of the economy, John? 
well, it's 20 trillion. Mm, 20 trillion. Yeah, that's within the set. That's 12 trillion. That's 60% of GDP. That's totally fine. There's not one economist worth their salt that would think that. But that's what they have done. Every country has been spending like drunken liberals for the longest period of time. They've been spending money they don't have. They've been borrowing money. In some cases, they've been printing money they don't have, which is all creating a problem down the road. Well, COVID came, and instead of actually kind of going, we need to start seriously looking at our spending, everyone just kept going. Everyone just kept going, but went worse. They went, oh, well, we just got to do this. We got to do these plans. We got to do these plans. Weakening the country's position. I would argue intentionally, they knew they should have economists who know this, but it's like unintentionally did it. They've now got to a point where we are now year in. You can't keep spending this money. The country is weakened. What do you do? Economic problems start happening. Everyone's going to start talking about we have this big hole. We're going to have to start raising taxes. What is that going to do? Now, you have a company, there are companies out there who haven't been open in a year and you want to raise their taxes. What do you think is going to happen? Let's say tomorrow, for argument's sake, tomorrow, everything, coronavirus is just gone. There is not one case of coronavirus in the world. Do you think the world of life is just going to go back to normal? Do you think, like, let's just give you some examples. Do you think, uh, you know, on a typical Friday night, a bar pre-COVID that was jammers, that, like, had, you know, people standing, was everyone was booing, you know, having a few drinks, listening to live music. Do you think if COVID ended tomorrow, everyone's going back to that bar right away? It might get there in three or six months, but it's not going to happen overnight. Do you think people are going to go straight back into their old routine of buying coffees and donuts and eating lunches where people have been eating at home for a year? Do you think they're going to buy, pay eight bucks for a sandwich? I don't know. Maybe some will. But will it be back to normal? Will it be back to normal about going on holidays? Will you, or will you be sceptical? Will you be going back to concerts? Or will it be sceptical? You're going to have all these problems with economics. It's going to take a while for the economy to start opening up. Naturally so, because people are going to be a bit dubious. Now, maybe some of you are listening on, oh, John, you're totally wrong on that. The minute COVID is open up, I'm back to living my life. I've been sheltered for a year. I need to get out. Cool. But do you think everyone's going to be like that? This is the problem that you have. And it's been made worse and worse by government policies. One of the big policies that's really bad in America is you Florida did it at the election. Joe Biden's proposing it now. And Mitt Romney's offering a compromise, raising the minimum wage. What do you think is that going to do? You're passing all these policies. Why? Whether you know it or unknowingly, you're making people more dependent on governments. And if you understand the history of the world and you understand the history of the United Nations and now the Great Reset, that is exactly what they want. When we come back, I want to talk to you about the eight predictions the World Economic Forum is predicting and talk, break them down one by one and then really highlight what the solutions are because there are solutions. I don't want you thinking, oh my God, John, the world's gonna end, I just wanna give up. There are solutions, but you must act now. So what are their eight predictions by 2030? Well, the first one is always the one that everyone's heard of because it's it's always out there. And it's 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 remember when I sent you the one of the rules was we're just going to say what we want, but we're going to do it in such simple terms and we're going to be able to propagandize it out of us going, eh, we don't mean that. The first one is you're going to own nothing and be happy. 
And if you read the propaganda or read the propaganda statement or watch the video, the fancy music and the, the aroma effects, and it's all, well, people are renting it anyway. You know, why, why would you hire it, buy a drill when you only need to use it once? You'll hire it, it'll arrive by a drone, you'll use it, and then you'll give it back and you just pay a rental fee. Simple, right? And you'll be happy. Problem is, what happens if you don't want to rent? What happens if you want to buy a drill? What happens then? What happens if you want to buy a, I don't know, whatever, car, house, equipment, TV? You're not going to rent everything. And the question always is with these people is, well, let's just take something like a car or a house. Who owns it? That's a question these people never answer. But what you'll always find is it's always going to be a collection of people. It's always going to be a collection of businesses who own and have, you know, a pie in every pot. That's what's always going to be. It's always going to be the rich. It's not going to be the local mom and pop store. It's not going to be someone like me and you owning it. It's always going to be the powerful. But that you're going to be happy. This is the kind of like brave new world. Everybody belongs to everyone else and everyone's happy. That's the world you want to live in. We'll get back to that in one second. Prediction number two. The U.S. won't be the leading superpower. But what they do in this very great propaganda video is they're going to say America won't be the leading superpower. And then they go straight to an image of world flags. Always hide your agenda. We're telling you what's going to happen, but we're giving you this mirage. It's going to be other countries. It could be China. It could be a collection of countries. They even say that. If they get what they want, it won't be a selection of countries. It will be the big businesses. It will be the Cokes. It will be the... The, the Bank of America, all these type of people who will be owning everything, who will be the superpower, this conglomerate of people. Number three, kind of, we spoke about this earlier on, there will be no need for an over transplant list. There'll be nobody dying from it. We're going to 3D print it. It always muddies the water. You've got to put that in. You've got to make, you know, everything. No one can criticize that. That I'm sure there are some purists going to go, no, I don't want anything fake inside me. I want to, you know, if I need a kidney or I need a liver or I need a heart, I want a real thing. I don't want a printed one. But, you know, the vast majority of people will get over that. It's technology. They'll get over those objections pretty quickly. But it's really cool. No, Nobody dying from an organ transplant. They've got good motives, right? That, you know, only people, no evil person would want that. Mm -hmm. Four, you're going to eat less meat. It's going to be less of a staple and more of a treat. Hmm. Really? We'll come back to that again in a sec, because there's certain core questions that we got to ask ourselves about this. They say a billion people are going to be dis uh, displaced by climate change. Really? It, it, it's so easy to try out these figures. Where are you getting your figures? A billion people. A billion people. Just to put that into context, it's, I think our population is just about 8 billion and it's going to top out by most reports at 9 billion. But let's say they're including future people. That's one out of every nine. Really? You think that many people are going to be displaced by climate change? Now, here's the thing. This actually might be true because as the companies become more and more bigger, you're going to operate more in around cities. So there's going to be less rural. There's going to be very few people living out in the, the sticks, quote unquote. You're going to go need to go to the place where the job is. So maybe people are moving because of that. And maybe that's caused as a displacement. Are we going to count those people? But where, where's the stats? There's no evidence of this whatsoever. It's just a pie out of pie out figure. Hey, let's just pick out a figure. What sounds bad? A billion people. Oh, just throw that in there. No evidence whatsoever. Then an issue that they do when they talk about, we need to be better at welcoming refugees and we need to be better at integration. 
they, I love, and, and I, when I say I love, I mean I really hate how we dilute all these problems. And I see this in America all the time. Oh, America hates immigrants. No, America, I'm, I'm, I'm a wannabe American. I've never felt anything in, well, when it comes to politics, I get a, bit of, a fair bit of hate. But in general terms, no, never had anything. Most people, you know, strangers who don't know me come up to me and kind of go, hey, where's your accent from? Oh, Ireland, that's really cool. Like, you know, I love to go there. No issues. It's illegal immigration. There's a difference. They muddy the waters all the time between refugees and, and legal immigrants and illegal immigrants. Six. This is the big one. And if you're in Texas, this is a huge one for you right now. Companies are going to have to pay to emit carbon dioxide. And there's going to be no fossil fuel. It's not even a reduction. No fossil fuels. What always frustrates me with people is when they lack logic and consistency in their arguments. If, let's say, just using all the language of the left, everything they say is true about the climate. Everything they say, oh, God, you know, gas is bad, fuel is bad, coal is bad, all bad. The world's ending and we're causing the world to end. And we need to fix it. Okay, great. We have this wonderful solution that is clean. It's efficient. There's no problems. It's cheap. It's really easy to use. It's called nuclear energy. Oh, no, 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 no. Wind, turbines, solar panels. How's that working out in Texas this year week? People are dying in Texas. There are people without power for 48 hours in Texas. Why? In large part because of turbines. Because their turbines are frozen. And because of the weather, the solar panels have this big sheet of ice over. And the thing in the sky that powers the solar panels, yeah, that ain't there right now for Texas. That, how does that work? This is a prime example of why you need fossil fuels. If you want to have the debate about getting off fossil fuels and talking about nuclear, cool, brilliant. Let's have that discussion. It should be welcomed in all corners. But we know no, we have no fossil fuels and you're going to have to pay to admit carbon. Okay. Number seven is, is kind of cool. The, the option, you know, as a, a, a sci-fi lover, you know, there's people going to move to Mars and, you know, we're going to be a healthy in space. Okay. You know what? The way this world is, I got to be honest with you, when, when Musk said about going to Mars, I was like, hell no, that's just too far. But the way this world is going, I don't know about you, but I kind of feel Mars is becoming more and more attractive. But the problem is, with Great Reset, they, they've already planned for Mars. And eight, Western values are going to be tested. Now, we all know what we mean when we say Western values. It's the white people. They're going to be tested. The, the people who believe in Christianity, you're going to be tested. The problem with all of these is they sound so simple. They sound, yeah, okay, there's nothing, there's not, you know, John, there's no reason to be as angry as you are about them. But then you start asking questions, you start delving into this. Who is going to be the judgment of this? Who's going to be the one who says you have to do this? Who's going to be the overlord? Who's the person that says you have to do this? Because these all sound great, but what happens if I don't know? I don't want to. But John, why wouldn't you want to? Don't you want to advance? No, I, I, I don't want to. You see, here's the problem that I have with so, I have friends on both sides of the aisle, my friends on the left. You used to rail about big corporations. Do you remember all, you know, Halliburton, Halliburton, Halliburton. You don't even have to mention Bush and Halliburton was a, you know, you, I'm sure if you lived through all those times, you, you heard it. You just have to mention Bush. You'd be like counting them. Three, two, one, Halliburton drive them all crazy. Oh, the big business. Bernie Sanders. Those millionaires and billionaires are a problem. Okay, great. 
on this issue on the Great Reset, we don't want those millionaires and billionaires to have power. You see, here's the thing. I'm consistent. I'm the one saying, I don't want anyone controlling your life. I don't care whether it's Coca-Cola, Bank of America, Walmart, or if it's Barack Obama, Joe Biden, or Donald Trump. I don't care. I want you to live your life. You are a sovereign individual. You have the power to control your life. Where are our friends on the left kind of go, all these millionaires and billionaires meeting in Davos, telling people what they can do? No. Where are you? What happens if people say no? Just put this in context of America and just think of how much trouble this is going to be. In America, you have 330 million people. Do you think if you got all 330 million people into one town square, I know that's logistically a bit of a nightmare, but let's imagine that you could. Could you find one issue that you agree on? Oh, the sky is blue. Oh, I think it's more of a mole, personally. Really? The sun is yellow. No, it's orange. So it's radiative. It's, it's red. Do you think you could agree on anything, even the simplest thing? Do you think you're bald? No, it's just a shave head. Do you think you could agree on anything? That's 330 million. Now, multiply that to get to 8 billion people. Where are the ch what are the chances everyone goes along with this? What are the chances? What happens to the people that go, mm, nah, you're all right. Nah, I don't want to. Why? Just, you know, even if it's just pure laziness, I couldn't be bothered. It sounds like an awful lot of work. I'm not against you. I just, it's oh, just too much work. What are you going to do to them? Are you just going to go, oh, that's okay. Are you going to have this great reset where all those companies have power? Or is it going to be down, done by the barrel of a gun? But you see, here's the thing. And here's why it's dangerous. It's not going to be done by the barrel of a gun. It's going to be done by the barrel of a contract. It's going to be done, well, okay, fair enough. You don't want to do it? Okay, that's fine. We'll come back again. And what you're going to find is that person is going to be economically destroyed. Because one of the changes that's happened in part to this great reset is, and this is happening in your countries, you know the old days, and I mean when I say the old days, I mean like last year, and you kind of went, you know what, I need a new car. I need to get, I'm going to go borrow 20 grand to buy a new car. And you go into the bank and you go, go hey, I want to buy a new car. It's this bottle, it's this make. How much do you need? I need 20 grand. I'll pay it back over five years. Okay, cool. Where's your bank record? Okay, here's my bank statement. Yeah, okay. Where's your employment? I work for this company. Have you got wages? I do indeed. There's my wages. I'm paid weekly. I'm paid X amount of money. What are your other loans? Don't have any. Just need a new car. Don't have any mortgage. Don't have anything. Don't have any credit card debt. Okay, cool. Yeah, your credit score is good. Blah, 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 blah. All of a sudden, you got a loan. That's the way it works, right? Not anymore. Not anymore with these plans. Bank of America, now to make more things more equitable, we need to, you know, examine you. Not just on your credit score, not just on your history, and not on your job, or not on your ability to pay money. No, that's, see, that's not fair. That's not fair. We need more equitable solutions. We need to look at your browser history. We need to look at what you've been doing. We need to look at your purchases. We need to get a full picture of who you are. Really? So imagine if you say, I just, you know what? That sounds an awful lot of work, lad. I, I just can't be bothered doing it. Oh, okay. Next time you get a loan, we'll see. Or the bank starts doing stuff. Or maybe you happen to have a contract, you know, through Coke. Oh, well, you know, you're not meeting the standards of the contract. You know, unless you do things, you're, you're not getting that contract anymore. But I do a good job. So yeah, it doesn't matter. We're, we're taking into full account of exactly who you are. This is the power big corporations have. This is a big power that the left used to rail against. 
The left used to hate big business. Used to hate it. Silence. This is the power that you have. It won't be done by a barrel of a gun. It'll be done through the power of a contract. But here's the solutions. You see, a lot of people will hear this and kind of go, oh my God, we're over. Our world is over. You don't. You have solutions. I want to talk to you about some of them. What you need is less government. And I'm saying this right now to my friends on the right. Just my friends on the right. It's time to understand who the hell you're supposed to be. If you're on the right in America, you are not for government. You are for the Constitution. You are for limited government. You are for some type of fiscal sanity. Where have you been? But let's not worry about where you've been. Where are you going? What are you standing for? Are you going to re-establish these principles and reapply them? Because if you don't, if you hum and haw for the next six weeks, six months, six years, it's over. Your solution of being believing in the individual and God-given individual rights are the solution. Because you just think of the logistics. You think you can't get 313 million Americans to agree on one thing. What are the chances of 8 billion people? We need to start sowing the seeds of liberty, of individualism, of freedom. They are the solution. If you have these and you start planting in people's minds and people's hearts, guess what? That don't win. There is no way this great reset wins. We need to start encouraging people to stand up and say, no. But just on the answer and start thinking about solutions, just on the Bank of America problem, Bank of America, if you want to, just from a pure business point of view, this is the stupidest idea you could come up with. But I know why they're doing it, because they're in bed with governments. Because banks and big businesses have one thing in common because of 2008. They're too big to fail. They know they can pursue these policies. Because guess what? If they fail, which eventually will, they go to government and they get bailed out with your tax dollar money. Stakeholder capitalism, those lines are very blurred. They're in bed together. What is the answer? Let me tell you why this is a stupid policy as an example. Banks are dead. Banks are like the mainstream media. They're dead. No one's going to them anymore. Do you know what's coming? If you understand the world of finance or even have 1% of the idea, there's a train coming on the tracks for big business, for big banks, and even credit unions maybe. That, that, that train is called cryptocurrencies. Why would I want to go to your bank and ask you for a loan? when I can just go borrow some Bitcoin from someone. And guess what? The person I borrow Bitcoin from, there isn't a big legal contract of terms and conditions. It's very simple. I borrow X amount of Bitcoin, I'm gonna pay them back. It's gonna be really simple. And guess what? It isn't from a big conglomerate like Bank of America or JP Morgan Chase. It's gonna be from just someone, someone small who has a Bitcoin to it. And by the way, they're doing this right now as we speak. That train is coming. That decentralized platform of cryptocurrencies is coming. And people are getting involved in it. It might take five years, it might take 10 years, it might take 20 years, but that train is coming. Want to know how I know it's coming? If you just Google cryptocurrency and look for all the news about all the banks getting involved, all the countries starting to talk about decentralized platforms and currencies, whether it's Bitcoin, whether it's Iridium, whether it's Litecoin, whether it's, I don't know, whatever, other coin, it's crypto as a general market. That's coming for them. Now, we can have a discussion about the Great Reset, and we will be doing this on future shows, but we need to start talking about solutions. What are the solutions? 
there are going to be people on the right who are going to go, we need government to stop this. No, you don't. You do not need government getting involved saying, Bank of America, you must do business this way. Why would you do that? Because right now, all the power is with the businesses, the great reset. You're not hearing about the United Nations a whole lot lately, are you? If you go to government and say, we need you to regulate these things, we need fairness, we need our vision of fairness, guess what's going to happen? If you get some success, the, the Great Reset will go away and we'll be back talking about the United Nations. We'll be back talking about Bernie Sanders' type of socialism. If you understand the principles I just laid out, they're both forms of tyranny. You don't win if you're a freedom lover. How you win is getting decentralized. How you win is true innovation. That is what we need to start building. And we also need to start building platforms that allow other people to talk. Simple case. Last week, Disney fired that lady, Gina, Gina Carino. Guess what? She got hired by the Daily Wire. Like that. That is how things change. You want to make some real changes in your society. Don't lobby the government to hire her back. Don't lobby the government to say, they shouldn't be able to fire her. No, you let things happen through the free market and she gets hired by someone else. Problem solved. The ultimate question is, always boils down to this. What do you stand for? If you believe like me, it's time to have a good check time and understand Reagan was right years ago when he said the nine most terrifying words in the English dictionary is, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. I don't care whether government is run by Donald Trump or Joe Biden. They're not our friends. Our friends are the Constitution. Our friends are God-given unalienable rights. And our friend is freedom. That is what wins this war. Because this Great Reset, as terrifying as it is and as dangerous as it is, Guess what? It's just the same parcel of big control with just different actors. We've just simply replaced government with business. But their both means are the same. The only answer to tyranny is freedom. The only answer to darkness is light. Until next Saturday at 12 noon Eastern, I salute you, the great American people. Never ever forget America is great because Americans are good. 12 noon Eastern, next week, we talk with a, a managing editor of Fee, you're not going to want to miss that, about free, more economic stuff and a lot of lot of important issues that you need to be aware of. Don't miss it. Subscribe and tune in. Next Saturday, 12 noon Eastern. God bless. Freedom versus freebies. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network.